Well, good morning. From wherever you may be connecting from today, it is so great for us to be together. I'm grateful that you would take the time to be here. Um, and I hope that you're doing well. You guys doing all right? Some of you are doing good because football is in the air, right? Some of you feel like you're breathing again. I have started to drag out my, my football colors from the back of the closet to the front, um, hoping, right, that my team, hope they'll be better than they were last year. And that includes the Chiefs. I mean, because a Super, a, a Super Bowl loss, come on, right? You got to improve. We are a spoiled people around here when it comes to, to football. But I hope that you're doing well. But the good news is I came here today to talk to you about something that is so much greater than even football. Man, we've got the coolest story today from Acts chapter 10. Um, I, I'm going to give you the summary of that story so that we can get to a detail that I really want us to sort of let it saturate our hearts today. So here's, here's the story. It's a man by the name of Cornelius. He's not Jewish. He didn't, he didn't grow up Jewish. He, he's what's called a, a Gentile. But it is obvious that Cornelius reveres God. He prays. He gives. He lives a, a godly life. I mean, he looks more like a Christian than some people that I would say call themselves Christians. Well, God sends an angel to Cornelius telling him to send for the apostle Peter so that Peter will come and tell him what he needs to hear. Well, at the same time, God is doing this miraculous thing in communicating to the apostle Peter that he is going to be going toward Cornelius. Now, God does that by sending a, a vision for Peter. It's a, it's a, it's a, a vision of animals that the Jewish people regarded as unclean. And the reason they saw it as unclean is because the ceremonial law of the Old Testament said that these animals were unclean. But the voice, the voice in the vision said, eat and don't call anything impure that God has made clean. So all of a sudden, here's the picture we've got. Now that Jesus has come into the world, and now that the final cleansing sacrifice has been offered by him, and now that God's people are commanded to take this good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth, God is saying the ceremonial laws about foods, that's been lifted. And the barriers to the Gentiles is lifted. And so really, Peter's vision has two purposes. There are two points. One, all those food laws are now fulfilled and end in Jesus. They're done. But second, all the people that those laws used to separate you from, the Gentiles, right, the other nations, now they are not to be considered unclean anymore. This is shaking Peter's world. I mean, this is something totally different than what he's always been taught. And while he's pondering this, three Gentiles show up at his door, sent from Cornelius. The message is clear. God is saying, I want you to go to them. 
He does exactly that. And when he gets to, when he gets to Cornelius' house in Caesarea, he, he finds his entire household ready to hear the good news of Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter gives them. Now, I tell you that to get you to this verse. Verse 44 is where I want us to focus today. Look at what the scripture says. While Peter was still speaking, and what's he speaking? Jesus. Here's who Jesus is. This is the whole setup. God said, I want you to go to Cornelius. Now he's telling Cornelius and his household, here's who Jesus is. While Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Well, that seems a little rude, doesn't it? Like the Holy Spirit didn't even wait for Peter to finish his talk, right? Look, look at the words. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit shows up. I, I'm going to admit to you that there have been times when I tell this story that I will use words like the Holy Spirit interrupted. But I am reminded that you really aren't interrupting when you are actually the one who is leading the whole conversation. Holy Spirit's not interrupting because he's the one who's been orchestrating this entire thing from the beginning. He is the one who has been speaking the entire time. I get it that sometimes our language makes it sound like we are inviting the Holy Spirit to join us. But I'm telling you that when I put my trust in Jesus a long time ago, even as just a boy, I knew what I was saying was from this point on, I am leaning into Jesus. This is about the fact that he owns every day of my life. He's the lead and I'm the follow. I want to wake up every morning excited about what the Holy Spirit plans to do that day and the fact that he has given me another day to be invited into what he's doing. Do you understand the difference in that? It is not waking up inviting the Holy Spirit to join me. Holy Spirit, I want you to do something in my life today. No, it is waking up knowing beyond any doubt, he already has things planned before I was born for this day. And on this day, he's inviting me to join him in what he's doing. Cornelius understood it. And I think it's amazing because Cornelius doesn't even yet have the spirit of God. We're going we're gonna to read that in a little bit. But let me show you what it says. Back up in verse 33, Cornelius says, so I sent for you, Peter, immediately and it was good of you to come but check this out now we are all here in the presence of God I love that we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us Peter God told me to tell you to come here and I'm so grateful that you did now here we all are and here's what I know the spirit of God is here and he wants to do something I'm ready, and I'm listening. 
I don't want to just view church that way. I want that to be the view of my life. Every day God gives me breath. I have observed that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and he's really the one we want to talk about today. I mean, 10 chapters, and we've heard a lot about God's Spirit. I, I, I have observed really two, I'm going to call them kind of main approaches that people take when it comes to the Holy Spirit. One of them, one of them could be represented in the guy who is wrestling with whether or not he should ask the girl out. Should I ask her out? Should I ask her out? And he's even praying, should I ask her out? And he gets in his car, and as he drives through town, every traffic light is green. Well, most of them. And with a quiver in his liver, he declares, the answer is yes. The Holy Spirit has said yes, because the traffic lights are green. It's one approach. The other approach I've heard someone beautifully describe as sort of viewing the Holy Spirit like my pituitary gland. I, 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 I know that it's important. I, I don't want to lose it. I, I, I want it to function right, but the truth of the matter is, except for this little illustration that I'm giving you today about my pituitary gland, I don't even know the last time that I even thought about it. it, it it's not really something even personal with me. And I want us to recognize today that we don't need either one of those approaches. I, I think the green light, the traffic light approach is dangerous. The pituitary gland approach is dangerous. Instead, what if we actually get the glimpse that God's word actually gives us? We are studying a book of the Bible where the Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 times. 59 times. We can learn something here about who he is and why he's such a big deal for you. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is still working in supernatural power? I'm saying, do you find yourself just reading stories about it? Or do you believe that the Holy Spirit is still working in supernatural power. The following story was shared with me this past Monday by a member of Heart of Life Church. I'm going to read it to you, the story that was shared with me. And so when you hear the word I or me, it, it's not I or me, it's the person who wrote the story, Okay. This week, a coworker mentioned having a dream with me in it. The dream happened a, a while back, but this was the first opportunity for her to tell me about it. She described it more like a nightmare. She was blind or had very blurred vision. 
But she had enough awareness to know that that she was in the woods until I showed up. She expressed that she couldn't see. And she said that I responded, it's okay, called her by name, I can show you the way. She felt like the dream was probably metaphorical, but I was able to share with her about Acts chapter 9. I told her that it wasn't an accident that it took this long for her to share that story because this was the week that we were working through Acts chapter 9 and Paul's conversion where there is blindness and then he is given sight. And so I told her, go read Acts chapter 9. I have no idea what God has in mind for this coworker's future, but I am praying that God uses this crazy experience as an opportunity for life and love to break through in her heart. That's God. That's God. Do you know that's God? My my point is, we're not just reading stories of something that the Holy Spirit did a long time ago. He's still working, and he's working in supernatural ways. I think that's absolutely right. I'm going to use the word crazy because that means supernatural. That means beyond anything that I could explain or put together. Not only does God give her a dream, but he gives her a dream at the exact moment, right, that that the co-worker is working through Acts chapter 9 for God to tie all of that together. I'm telling you, he's still working in supernatural power. So Today, I I want us, in the context of what we're learning here in the book of Acts, to just visit a few minutes about, but how do you experience the Holy Spirit's power in your life? How do you experience the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? Right, we're reading these stories about him doing miraculous things and directing people to connect to people. How, How do you experience the Holy Spirit in your life? I'm going to give you a short list. Um, There could be more, but my prayer is that at least there is enough here this morning that it it really shakes your faith in a good way and that you can see. One of the ways in which we experience his presence is in the gospel. And before you just tune that out as a, as a churchy way, a churchy phrase, I, I want you to listen to the way the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. This is the Apostle Paul praying for the church. I, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Watch what he connects to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then he ends it this way, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. According to the Apostle Paul, those, those two things, knowing, knowing the love of Jesus in the gospel, this love that is wide and long and high and deep, you knowing this love, he equates with being filled to the fullness of God, to being filled with the spirit of God. They are equal. Another way to say it, it was the Puritan Thomas Goodwin who, who compared it to a little child, like a, a toddler son 
whose father swoops him up into his arms and says to his son, you are my son and I love you. And Goodwin said, you understand, in that moment, that boy is not suddenly more of his father's son legally. But in his father's arms, he feels that sonship more intimately than he ever has. And y'all, that's exactly what the Bible says, the book of Romans, that, that when the Spirit of God fills us, he, he pours out God's love into our hearts that leads us like little children to shout, Abba, Father. It is in this love, it is in this good news of the gospel, it is in a love that is almost too big to get your mind and heart around that the presence of the Holy Spirit, he fills you. You know, this is real. Not only do we experience his presence in the gospel, but we also experience his presence in God's word. I think it's interesting in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about the, the, the armor of God. It's interesting that in the end it says, take the sword of the Spirit which is what? Word of God. It connects the word of God to the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is always working in us, shaping our heart to be more like God, that our, that our action will, will, will be more like God. He uses the word of God in order to do that. Now, I, I realize that there are times that we feel like the spirit of God needs to give us an answer that we can't find in a chapter or a verse. You know what I'm saying? I need an answer to this thing, and I can't find it in any chapter or verse. I, I need God's Spirit to specifically give me an answer. I, I believe that God does that when he wants to give you an answer. Sometimes the answer is not what we want, so we interpret it as he doesn't give us an answer, but, but he answers but what I have also realized is that so many times the answer really is in Scripture, right? So, so let's go back to should I ask the girl out? God, should I do that or should I not? Should, should, I, should I date this girl or, or, or should I not? Well, while you're waiting on the Spirit to give you a specific answer, there are some instructions in God's Word that might have already given you the answer. Here's one question. Are you married? and not to her, then you shouldn't ask her out. Y'all are laughing, but we seem to be skipping over all these kinds of questions. God's word contains it. Is she married and not to you? Then you don't ask her out. I got another one for you. Is she a follower of Jesus? Oh, man. Because here's where it goes next. Yeah, but, but, but but my mama married my daddy before he was a Christian, and, and Jeff, I'm just saying, what would have happened if she hadn't done that? And I do not say this to people's face. I only would say it like this because it's a little less harsh. But if that question was, what would have happened if she hadn't, hadn't dated him? My answer is, she would have actually obeyed Jesus. Because he said, don't do it. 
He said, don't do it. When, when you're in two kingdoms, you can't operate as one. Oh, Jeff, don't get all legalistic on me. I mean, what if I am the way that God's going to use to, to reach her? Well, first of all, Jesus isn't legalistic, and he's the one who actually made the statement. Second of all, there's an easy way to know that. Share the gospel with her before you date her. Share Jesus with her before you with her. That that is what is key. I'm reminding us today that none of our opinions or experiences has greater authority than God's word. None of our opinions or experiences has greater authority than God's word. Jesus said when you're in two different kingdoms, you cannot be one. I'm saying, look, sometimes... We don't like the direction that, 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 that God's word takes us, and that's when we start praying, Holy Spirit, give me some traffic light moments, do something supernatural. What we really mean is I want you to right, tell me something different. I'm telling you that all the time, the Holy Spirit is at work in his word already. If you will open it and you will read it and you will lean into even what you are struggling with, he, his presence, his power, it's there. It's there. Let me give you another one. We experience his presence in the church. It says in Acts chapter 13, which we'll get there in a, in a little while, um, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In other words, while the church was gathered, they suddenly understood what the Holy Spirit wanted them to do. Now, you ready for this? Check me on this. Except for, through God's word, all right? Except for, through reading God's word, the most common way that the Holy Spirit speaks in the book of Acts is when the church is gathered. When the church comes together, when people gather and they pray and they seek his direction, when they do that together, it is the second most common way that we, that we read about in the book of Acts. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Some of you, some of you have found a wrestling match going on in your heart over the last, um, I, I hate to say, couple of years now with all that we have experienced as a culture that some of you have begun to convince yourself that gathering as the church is an optional thing. And I want you to see from this point of view, consider what you are removing from your life if the second most common way that the Spirit of God speaks and gives direction in the book of Acts is when they come together, you don't want that absent from your life. It's like, Jeff, but I think God can speak just to me. He does. He does. We're going to get there. He absolutely does that. But come on, don't, don't dismiss one of the primary ways in which God's presence is experienced in your life or the Holy Spirit's presence is experienced in your life. And a, a big piece of that is when the church 
gathers. Let me give you just a couple more. Another one is our gifting. Our giftings. It says in, in 1 Corinthians that now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What he's talking about here is the gifts that God's Spirit gives us, those, those evidences of his power that, that he enables us. Some, some are teachers and, and, and some are administrators and all kinds of gifts that, that he lists. But look at what it says in verse 11. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And I want you to consider the fact that the Holy Spirit's presence is experienced in your life in recognizing the gifts that he has given you and that the reason he's given you those gifts is that that's a part of his direction for you. Some of you, like C.S. Lewis, um, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, you either read the book or seen the movie, and I, I, I love the fact how in the story, Lewis has the children be given gifts that they only later recognize the significance of when they find themselves in the battle. So Peter is given a sword, and, and Lucy is given the healing ointment, right? But it's not until they find themselves in the battle that they can look back and they can go, oh, this is why. This is why I was given these gifts. And I'm saying you experience the presence of God's spirit in the giving of those gifts. And as you work out those gifts, you are, you are experiencing his guidance, his presence, his power in your life. Let me just give you one more because we got to get this one, our spirit. It's in Nehemiah, which is just one of the greatest leadership books in the whole world. He says, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do. Now, we don't read about any vision, some dream. He just simply describes it as, here's what God spoke to my heart about. And throughout the Bible, we find stories of God speaking to the hearts of people. I call them leadings. Like when I think God's doing this with me, I, I, I try to describe it as a leading. Like I think, I think God's leading my heart in a direction. I think God's speaking a certain way. Now here's what I've learned. When you think God's spirit and his presence is working in that way, I have a tendency to see it like I want it. Probably not you. So when that happens, there are a couple of checks that need to happen. First of all, he's never gonna lead me in a way that his word says something different. Never. God's never gonna tell me to do something that the Bible says the opposite on. God is never gonna tell me it's okay for me to date the girl even though she's not a follower of Jesus when his word already says the opposite. I don't know why that's the theme of the day, but it keeps showing up. He's not gonna, he's not gonna contradict. And second, I find it wise 
to lean into some other people that I know know Jesus and they know what it means to walk in the power of the Spirit. Here's what I think God seems to be saying to me. Here's what I think God is doing in my heart, but I need you. It's back to the picture of the church where together, man, we are, we are much more uh, secure than, than when we just, right, on, on our own, help me discern, is this what he's saying? We could go on with the list today. But my purpose is to stir within you, I pray, this most incredible picture that the Spirit of God is still working in supernatural ways today. And he's doing it in the gospel, in his word, in the church, in in the gifts that he gives you, in your heart directly this is real. And it is way better than you just inviting him to join you on some journey. It is waking up in the morning with the expectation that if God has given me another day to breathe and live, he's got plans. And he's inviting me to join him in those plans. Now, putting all that together, I I, want to go back to our story in Acts chapter 10 because there is a big point that I think we've come to. Acts chapter 10 as well as the chapters that surround it that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. It is this truth. The Holy Spirit is free. Now, when I say the Holy Spirit's free, I'm not just talking about the story that we just learned that that somebody tried to buy him. Remember that catastrophe? Like he's not for sale, but that's not what I mean by free here. I want you to hear again what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. This is the way Jesus put it in John chapter 3. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What's he saying? He's saying the Spirit is like the wind. You can't control the wind, and you don't control the Spirit. He is free. He is free to move whenever he chooses, however he chooses, wherever he chooses. He is free to comfort whenever However, wherever he chooses, he is free to counsel whenever, however, wherever he chooses. He is free to convict of sin whenever, however, wherever he chooses. We need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is not bound to make my plans work. He is not constrained to do what I think he should do when I think he should do it. He's God, he's free. I want to give you some evidence over the last couple of chapters. Have you noticed the pattern of the Holy Spirit's action? Have you noticed the Holy Spirit's pattern in the book of Acts? Here's what I mean. Acts chapter 8 is the story of when the Samaritans believe. Here's how it goes. They believe in Jesus, and then they are baptized in water. But they didn't receive the Holy Spirit until Peter and John show up, place hands on them, 
Then they received the Spirit, and there is no record there in Acts chapter 8 of them doing anything like speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 10 is our story today. The story today is the Holy Spirit fell on those, those God-fearing Gentiles while Peter is still preaching the message. They then would speak in tongues and were soon baptized, and there is no picture of anybody laying hands on them. So my question is, do you recognize the pattern? Here's the pattern. There is no pattern. That's on purpose. There is no pattern. Throughout the book of Acts, you, don't, you can't ever force the Holy Spirit into a pattern. You don't line him up and go, okay, now jump, right? We've done this, now you do this. No, sometimes he arrives with supernatural signs. Other times he arrives and people just simply open their heart and receive Jesus. Sometimes he shows up before baptism. Sometimes he shows up after baptism. But the picture of it all is that he is free to move whenever, however, and wherever he chooses. However... His mission is always the same. Jesus, again, gave us clarity on what the Spirit would be doing. John chapter 16, Jesus simply said, he will glorify me. He, the Spirit, he's going to point to me. He, the Spirit, is gonna, he, he's going to shine the light on, on who I am. He's going to shine the light on my glory and my greatness because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I, I want to give you a little quote of a guy that um, I, I used to read quite a bit. He's a, a professor, a theologian. Um, he just passed away like a year or so ago. His name is J.I. Packer. I was a fan of J.I. Packer, one, because I just enjoyed reading and his theology, and, but he also, his, it, my grandfather's name was J.I., so it was just kind of one of those weird, weird connection pieces. And uh, J.I. Packer wrote a little book. Um, one is called Knowing God. If you ever get the chance to read that, read it. Um, but he, he wrote another book called Keep in Step with the Spirit. And here's what he said is the main point really, when it comes to the Spirit of God, the essence of the Holy Spirit's ministry is at this or any time in the Christian era to mediate the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what he explains that to be. The Spirit is sent to make Jesus real to people. The Holy Spirit is sent to show us who Jesus really is in his greatness to open, right, the eyes of our heart that, that we would love Jesus, that we would trust Jesus, that we would obey Jesus, that we would want to show Jesus to the whole world. The Spirit loves to come and take the truth about Jesus and turn it into an actual experience, encounter with Jesus. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 10. 
In Acts chapter 10, Peter is painting this beautiful portrait of who Jesus is. He is using words to describe who Jesus is and what happens. The Holy Spirit shows up in that moment and he turns that portrait into a living reality that suddenly the very presence of Jesus is there. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's who he is. So... Can we see that the Holy Spirit is most likely to come in power where the truth about Jesus is being lifted up and being made plain? Now, please please don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. I am not giving you a formula here that says if you say this, Holy Spirit must jump. I, I just spent the whole half, uh, actually more than the half, I spent the whole first part telling you you can't do that. Even if you try, you can't do that. This is not about if you take this step, then you got to make him, right, move here or there. That is not at all what I'm saying here. But I am saying that if you want to see, right, more of the Spirit's power in your life, and most, most Christians that I talk to are like, yeah, I, I want to know, right? I, I'm reading the book of Acts, and I want to know his presence. I, I want to know, right, his, his, his power in that way. Then I would encourage you. I would encourage you to pray and I would encourage you to begin to move with intentionality of thought and conversations and action where Jesus is the center. Jesus is the center. Because we're back to, are are you inviting him to join you or are you recognizing, right, this is, this is not, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm about to talk, I'm going to talk about Jesus today, so I, I really hope you'll show up. You're missing the point. My point is he is already working. He's inviting you to be the one who speaks about Jesus to this person, that, that the Spirit of God might already be working in their life. He's already convicting of sin. This is not about you, right, working up a system that every time you speak of Jesus, you can make him jump. I'm saying the Holy Spirit is so far out in front of you, you have no idea. He is the one who's already working, but the more you decide to join him on that daily basis, speaking of Jesus, thinking of Jesus, Right, sharing Jesus, you are more likely to see him show up in power in your house. In your house. Man, I want to encourage you, center on Jesus. Long time ago, I heard some parents give the advice that every once in a while during the week, they would just sit around the table with their kids and just ask the question, where did you see Jesus today? That is a great question. Where'd you see Jesus today? Do you know how many days families go by and just go through the rhythm and we all claim that we follow Jesus and we all claim that we want him to be the center, but we don't ever actually ask any questions like, where did you see Jesus today? That's beautiful. Talk, right? Learning, 
Where'd you see Jesus today? Maybe, maybe it's at the end of the day when, when you get to slip into right, your, your kid's bedroom and maybe just to, to, to sit there on the side of the bed and you read them a Bible story and, and you are pointing to the beauty of who you know Jesus to be. Can I tell you, you can expect the Spirit of God to be all over that. When you, as a dad, as a husband, are willing to be a humble leader in your family and say, here's what Jesus is working in my life right now, and here's what he's showing me right now, and here's what I'm wrestling with right now. Man, you do that for your wife and your children, I'm telling you that's the kind of stuff the Holy Spirit is all over. In your home, is Jesus the center? Students getting ready to go back to school. I want to challenge you to recognize that if what we have talked about today is real, then this whole school thing is bigger. It's bigger than whatever grades you pull off. Now, don't use my words against me. You got to study. And you ought to study not just because your parents are telling you you got to study, but when you see your life as a gift from God and every opportunity he gives you is about him training, it's about him growing you, then you should see school as a part of an opportunity to learn where God is positioning you for more and more opportunity to reach the world around you. So study, but in the end, I, I promise you his main concern is not your grade because sometimes you study really hard and you just kind of get wrong end of the stick there and grades don't turn out. It's not. And he wants you to see that you are his. You are his. It's bigger than you being a polite student. It's bigger than you even being good friends to people. It, all of it is about pointing toward Jesus. And students, when you begin to move from just surviving a, a school year, when you begin to move beyond just, hey, can I, can I get away with right, the right people and connect in here and, and be nice to who I, when you get beyond that and you recognize this mission to point to Jesus, it is then that you will start to see the power of God's spirit at work in your life. Even, even, in your play, even in your exercise. I'm saying, uh, I, I read a story the other day about a guy um, who liked to run. And this is the way he, he described it. He said, I just started running through my neighborhood. And he said, this is what I say. He, he would say, hi, I'm Jeff. I run through this neighborhood and I, I pray for people. Is there anything that I can pray about for you? He said, you would be shocked at the conversations that I had. He said, and then I just started pointing them toward Jesus. I'm telling you, the more that Jesus is the center, the more likely you are to see the power of God's spirit show up. Because in every moment, Jesus is the greatest reality. 
And the Holy Spirit is inviting you to join him in declaring that truth. Before we close, I just want to end by reading what Peter said about Jesus. I want you to hear what he said about Jesus. And my prayer is that even today, those words will be more than a word picture, more than just a a description, that even today, God's spirit, some of your hearts, that you will suddenly find yourself in the presence, in the presence. Here's what Peter says. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. The good news, the peace through Jesus. I love the fact he said, look, I don't think Peter's world was a whole lot different than our day in the sense that everybody's looking for peace. He's talking about more than a peaceful feeling. He's talking about the one who has come to make it possible that there could be peace between us and God. And when there's peace between us and God, then even in a chaotic world, even in the the craziness of this world, there can be peace. He's saying this is who Jesus is. He is the one who brings peace. And don't misunderstand it. He is Lord of all. When God decided that, that he was going to do something so remarkable for us, he, he, didn't, he didn't send just anybody. He, he didn't even send like the, 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 the biggest and baddest of angels, right? He, d- he didn't send Gabriel to do it. He, he didn't send Michael to do it. He sends none other than his own son himself who is Lord of all. Keep reading. You know what's happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So not only is this Jesus Lord of all, not only is he fully God, but he's also fully man. He's Jesus of Nazareth. He's got a hometown, but he walked this out in the power of God's spirit. He he walked this out in the way that he is making possible for you and I to walk this out, that we too, having peace with God, we too, being connected to God, can begin to walk in the power of God's spirit. This is who Jesus is and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Come on, you need to know this Jesus we're talking about, if there is an enemy who oppresses you, there is an enemy who attacks you, the Jesus we're talking about has power over him. He has power over all because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. Now, if everything that we just heard Peter say is true, if he's stronger than the enemy, the enemy couldn't kill him. If he's he's perfect, 
right? That it, it, it's not the wages of his sin that killed him. The only way he dies is if he chooses to willingly lay down his life. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him. He is alive. God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge. Let's not miss this part about Jesus. Come on, one day you take your last breath, one day this whole thing is done. And the one who determines it all, the one, the one who stands at the end, he is the judge over all. That is this Jesus, but the one who has made it possible that you in the end can be with him. How? Check out the last verse. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That is the good news of Jesus. Do you know him? My challenge for you today, my plea with you today is that if you don't know Jesus personally, I understand maybe you've heard about him. I understand maybe you could paint even pictures for other people of who he is. But do you know him? Today, you can call out to him. He is still the one who forgives sin. He is still the one who makes peace between you and God. He is the one who will sweep you up like a little child into his arms and declares, you are his. Children of God, you already know that truth. Then the challenge for you today is to recognize the Spirit of God has plans for you even today. His plans are to make known the greatness of Jesus. His plans in people's lives all around you is pointing them to Jesus. Will you join him in that? We're going to sing a little bit at the end. I know you're glad because we didn't sing hardly any at the beginning. You know why we sing? Who's it about? It's about Jesus. Because we praise him. Because there's nobody like him. Nobody's loved us like him. And so a part of what we're going to do is sing. And a part of, part of what we want to do is we just spend the remainder of our time together is pray. There is something very powerful that happens when the church gathers. He is in the midst so I want to just kind of start us down this road. But I want to extend the invitation for you today to respond like the Spirit of God is speaking to you today. Some of you, some of you hurt. Some of you need comfort. You need peace. You need healing. And I want to challenge you today to go to him to know that he is present and to go to him. 
And maybe it's somebody else within this room or whatever room you are in today that you trust that you are willing to go to and say, hey, I need you to pray for me. Pray with me. Come on, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Some of you need to confess some things to God today. He forgives. But there's a reason that you're not seeing the power of God's spirit at work in your life because there is a quenching effect that's happening. There is some sin there that you know you need to be honest with God about. Come on, he is standing with open arms waiting for you to step. But I also want to pray for some of you today. And I want to start with the the crew of people. There are five of them who are headed this next week to West Africa, to Togo. By next Sunday, they will have boarded a plane and they're going to make the long trip to Togo and they are going to be stepping into a country among a people with an opportunity to share this good news of Jesus, an opportunity to encourage churches that are there, an opportunity to see perhaps some new things started. One of the things we talked about was even a school that perhaps the the Spirit of God might be leading us towards seeing started. A school where there is no school which would become a school where Jesus followers do the teaching. That'd be cool because guess who they're going to point toward? Jesus. So I'm going to ask, I'm not going to ask you to say anything in any of this, so nobody I'm putting on the spot, but um, if you are one of those folks who are going to be going um, to Togo this next week, and I think they're spread out all over the place today, different campuses, that's cool, whatever campus you're at, I'm going to ask you to stand for just a second. If you would, would you stand for just a second because we want to pray for you. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. Um, we are praying for God's spirit to protect and to empower, but we're going to be wise with this this morning. They need to stay well between now and then, all right? So don't be putting your arms all over them right now, all right? I don't know how else to say that. We can put our arms all over them with a, with a God's spirit to engulf. Now, here's what I would say. If, if you're kin to them, right, if you're family, then you can put arms on them if you want to. The rest of us who may be just around them, if you're willing to just stand beside them, around them, as a representation of a body that stands around them. Whichever campus you may be at today, whatever place you're at, if you're close enough that, that you don't mind doing that, come on, church, I want, you to, I want you to just sort of surround a little bit there so that there is at least some imagery and, and, and the fact that we together are on this mission. Let's pray. God, by the power of your spirit... We are asking that you, God, would pour out your power upon these who are getting ready to go like you've told them to go. God, I thank you for the miracles that have already taken place that, God, for some, it might not even make sense that they're able to go, but you did it. You did it. And God, I'm asking you protect this week. I'm asking for protection and travel But God, I am asking that you would make this crew dangerous. Dangerous because they will not be silent about who Jesus is. God, may you give them joy. May you give them peace. 
God, may you create the overflow of their heart that wherever they find themselves in Togo, God, whatever the scenario, God, with, with language barriers, God, with culture barriers, that you, by your spirit, would just blast through it all. That in the end, all might know who Jesus is. Lord, I pray that this group of people might experience your presence, your power, as they are obedient in following you. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask it. Amen. Come on, if you agree, can we put our hands together and thank our God? All right. I know we're going to sing, but before we do, I think I'm supposed to do something else. Um, we got some kids in the room who are getting ready to go back to school. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say. You are just as much of a missionary. You hear me? You are just as much of a missionary as those who are about to get on a plane and head to another country. If you're a student in this room and you're okay with me doing it, I'm not going to ask you to say anything, not here to embarrass you, but if you're okay with me praying for you, whatever room you may be in, I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand. Students who are getting ready to go back to school, if you're okay with me praying for you, I'm, I'm going to pray for the whole group, all right? Anybody willing to be prayed for? Anybody, I'm going to pray over you. Anybody okay? Nobody? Nobody in this room? All right. There, thank you. Here's why I say thank you. Because I recognize you're in a battle. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. It's a fight. I get it. It's hard. I just want to pray for you. Whatever room you may be in today, if you would stand. God, I am asking that these students might know who they are in you. They don't need to spend a school year listening for who other people define them to be. They don't need to fit into a particular crowd in order to find an identity. I am asking that you will remind them today God, that if they are yours, then they are yours. If they are your kids. You hold them. You protect. God, I'm asking that you would change our view from just surviving a school year or being polite students or making good grades to becoming students who follow you with all of our heart that we will be willing to point people to Jesus. God, I'm asking by the power of your spirit that you would bless these students. And it's in the name of Jesus I ask it. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I invite you to stand. We're going to be available. You need prayer today. He is waiting. I would equate much of what often goes on in this room to what just happened. I don't doubt that most of the students in this room know it would be better if they could be prayed for. But man, it's a little bit difficult to take that step and, and say, I need it.
whether it's to stand or whatever it might be, I got the feeling that that kind of stuff goes on in this room and other rooms that I'm talking to all the time. When will we let go? And let God's Spirit do what he's here to do. I love you. Let's sing.